0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homy. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Right here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we want you to feel like you are that third person sitting in on a private mastermind conversation, gathering information, watching the exchange of ideas with your pad of paper and two pens out, capturing the aha moments and the little golden nuggets of information that give you the slight edge as you create a business that serves you and allows you to serve from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community, market, and audience. Today's topic is something that is very near and dear to me. Most of my work these days involves helping entrepreneurs launch their podcasts. I also do have a business consulting firm with a select group of clients, and part of the work that I do involves helping them develop and nurture their teams, particularly their virtual teams. And in this day and age, most teams are virtual, even if everybody's in the same town, And I predict that that is going to be largely a permanent situation. Team building is also key, particularly when we look at helping people express their brilliance, their passion, when we appreciate the uniqueness in each individual, and how we get folks to work together, coming from those different places to align in support of the common goal. And also, in many cases, to be able to work asynchronously. This is something you can tell I spend a lot of time on. So, we have somebody here who I am really looking forward to speaking with, and you will enjoy hearing from. His name is Matt May. He is the founder of, excuse me, he is the founder of Verve Central Productions. Uh, He founded that in 2009 to provide quality entertainment and services to its clients and audiences through special events and entertainment, theatrical production, creative business consulting and education. Through the company's team building division, premier team building and interactive experiences, collaborative programs are delivered to clients nationwide and internationally. Matt has produced and facilitated hundreds of large and small group experiences. As the company's president, he's responsible for the design and development of its team building and interactive experiences, overseeing the production and facilitation of these programs, customer support, and staff training. The website is www.premierteambuilding.com. if you want to check that out as you are listening or afterward. And for now, Matt May, come on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) It is. Thanks for having me, Adam. You bet. You bet. And as our listeners know, I am coming to you once again from my sumptuous office balcony here in Las Vegas. You may occasionally hear a a plane fly overhead. You may hear a bird chirp. And you may hear out on the street, beyond the end of my community, somebody illustrating that their cars know how to lay tire. So this, just picture yourself sitting out on your patio, sitting out at a cafe, taking in the sounds enjoying the atmosphere, and we'll get started. But before we do, Matt, what we like to do here is I read off your official bio. It's so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. But what we want to do is have you tell us, above and beyond the official bio, what is it that has brought you to this place that you are now, where you serve business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Uh, first of
2: all, you're, you're too kind, and you're very funny, Adam. You're cracking me up over Thank here, you. I will see you and I'll raise you one. I am in my tropical oasis in the Tampa Bay area of Florida. So if you hear splashing or seagulls that is out my front door. I may be I may be buying a plane ticket but go ahead. <laughs> Come on down. Yes. Uh, You know, it's funny that you asked that. Um, I I just released a book, Take the Fear Out of Team Building, and that's what I'm focusing on now. And I know that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. However, I'm I'm working on a second book, and it's tentatively uh, titled Don't Fight the Flow, Follow Your Organic Path. So it's funny that you asked me the question you did because I have a very non traditional path that got me here where I am. Um, Certainly, I was a camp counselor as a kid, so that I think certainly uh, it is the very beginnings of, of team building for me. Uh, I have a background in theater and arts administration, and I uh, as well as education. So it all I did a lot of things, and it took me a long time to get to where I finally fell into team building, if you will. But I've been in it now for uh, eleven years, I think, and and I, I love it. I'm very passionate about it. But uh, I lived in New York City, and then I finally uh, after a few years said. This is ridiculous. I want to drink my coffee outside, whether it's June or January. So yes. I've been in Florida now for 18 years and, and don't really look back. Though I do love New York. Any New York listeners, I do like to come back and see some shows and dine and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it really was a non uh, traditional path. I did a lot of different things in the entertainment industry, the business industry, the education industry, and ultimately landed in the team building industry, which is a combination of
1: all of that, really. Exactly. And, that, and I think that's great. I mean, I actually found my interest in this early on. 20 some years ago, when I was pursuing my MBA, my concentration was human resource management. And my goal at the time was to become a training development director for a Fortune 100. My life took many different directions. However, as an entrepreneur, as somebody whose business supports other businesses, this is a place where happily, I found myself getting to do a good bit of work and even a bit of innovation, which is something that I really, really enjoy. Now, let's define a few terms here. One of the things you mentioned to me is that there's a perception out there that team building is seen as a bad word. Why is that? That's a good question. I did a poll
2: back uh, earlier this year, and I asked people, um, what What do you what is the first thing you think of when you think of or hear team building? right? And why, and so many people had a negative thought, paintball, trust falls, uh, white zip lining, whitewater rafting, listening to people giving lectures with slide presentations. Well, because it seems that people have had so many experiences that have been not so positive under the label of team building, that that's where they automatically go. People don't recognize that when it's done properly and you have fun doing it and it has positive outcomes it is a good thing and people actually do look forward to it if they have positive experiences so i from what i found it's the not so hot experiences that people have had that gives them this negative content or in, in their mind it, it's a negative word or words
1: yeah it's funny you bring that up you know when i hear the word team building I think of it differently, mainly because I'm hands-on with it, and particularly in the virtual space where a lot of things you described just don't happen. But there are a few uhs that come to mind when I hear that phrase, all that being said. One of which is I see retreats, I see team building events, and they do things like you mentioned, trust falls. I've also seen zip lining, bungee jumping. Why the hell do I have to do any of that stuff? And and, and there's the implication that if I don't do it, that somehow I'm not a team player or I'm not fully taking a stand for myself. Give me a flipping break. Another one is sometimes I see team building, particularly in physical office environments, translated into pizza parties or lunch meetings. Look, dude, uh, when I worked in an office, when I was in corporate, when it was time for lunch hour, I wanted to get the hell out of there. So it's not for everybody. <laughs> well, and, and I also see some of this stuff done in the name of, well, let's actually make this a working event. So where's your break? You need a break sometimes. And then the third one is, and I see this in the virtual world, particularly when it comes to uh, you know, team building stuff are two things, one of which is you... Log into the meeting on Zoom or whatever, and everybody has to go around and introduce themselves. I belong to this networking group, and uh, a few weeks ago, they had three people who were new to the group who all logged in at different times. So a grand total of four times in one hour, I had to read off my spiel. Come on. <laughs> and then And then there's another thing, and we may cover this later in our conversation, that I see how Meetings are structured sometimes in the name of diversity and inclusion, but they actually make people feel either put out, or called out, or in some cases, actually having their voice to a degree taken away. Paradoxically, so those are my thoughts on it. I I am with you on most of that. I actually yeah.
2: a chapter in my book about clients, and I just, funny enough, I had this discussion, I think it was last week, and I wound up putting a post on my LinkedIn page about it saying, let's talk about this, because we want to do team building. Okay, what do you want to do? Well, we want to go out on a catamaran and drink beer for three hours. Okay, (laughs) and like you said, the zip lining and the whitewater rafting and and the whatnot, those may be enjoyable or not activities, but how does drinking beer on a boat or even golfing with three other people. Well, uh, golfing, uh, no, because you're playing against each other. So how is that yeah. building a team? I don't know. Um, as for the the virtual component, I, I agree with you. I actually signed on to a, uh, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but the recording um, last week, signed on to a webinar. And when I signed on, there were, I think, 98 people there. And there was a not so engaging or interesting host moderator literally going through oh okay let's have so-and-so now let's just like you were talking about let's have so-and-so and And everybody was introducing themselves and this went on i was only on for about five minutes and i finally said "Uh uh-uh i'm done i this is i came here to learn something not see who all these people are i don't anyway maybe i'm being pessimistic pete but that just irritated me. So yeah. And, and I totally get what you're saying. That also, I don't mean to keep saying, well, I just covered that in my book. I feel like I'm in (laughs) it. You know, some, somebody keeps saying, well, I just covered that in my book, but I did. And one of the things, and I just literally had an email conversation with a client within the past hour about this, where the end client, not my client. Oh, well, we have a lot of people that in our group, and they're, they're creative and, and they think they want to put together some icebreakers and some team activity. Okay. And I said to my client, I don't mean to be pessimistic. However, that sounds like disaster to me. And my client responded, I thought the same thing. And one of the things I talk about, take the fear out of team building. One of the reasons that people have negative connotations of pe- team building is because they've been in bad experiences that have been done by people who don't know what they're doing. I did not invest this much time in my background and do theater training and psychology training and leadership training and business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to put together a game to pretend I know what I'm doing. I actually like to pre- like to think I do, right? And just because you like to put out a party doesn't mean you should necessarily be hosting a huge gala because you know how to do a, a backyard barbecue. Now, again, I'm generalizing. I get right. that want to come after me with a pen right now and, and you know stab me in the neck, simmer down, you know, <laughs> not trying to cause a fight, but hire people who know what they're doing. You may change an outlet in your house. Great. Knock yourself out. But are you going to rewire your entire house if you're not an electrician? Probably not. I hope not. You're going to hire somebody who knows what he or she is doing. So if you're trying to give your employees or your team members, whether they're your employees or colleagues or or whatever, an experience that is going to increase communication, collaboration, possibly give back, and ultimately positively affect the bottom line of your company, why would you do it on your own when it's a huge investment? Because eventually, the the poorly wired house is going to catch fire and burn to the ground.
1: Yeah. So what I have to ask is, uh, you know, what do positive team building experiences entail? And the reason I ask this is because when we go to your website, we do see these create certain experiences that are, in fact, interactive, that are, in fact, uh, fun and based on themes. However, I do not see zip lining or bungee jumping here. And you never, ever, ever
2: will. <laughs> <laughs> because that so so. There are a number of uh, components to it. Again, just covered it all in my book. And just so I, I, I'm touting this book, it is not a guide full of activities that you can do to do team building on your own. There are plenty of those out there. I wasn't about to reinvent the wheel. This also isn't a how-to manual of how to produce a team building from A to Z, nuts to bolts. That's not what it is. It's an overall suggestive guide to these are the main components that if these are followed team building will not be a dirty word in your company so if you're tasked with presenting a team you know if you're an executive assistant or an hr person or whomever or a meeting planner and you're tasked with producing or presenting a team building experience to a group the and you're unfamiliar with it unfamiliar not familiar with it (laughs) And you don't want to call me quite yet, but you want to read this first. These are guides. One of the things like I already touched on is to hire professionals. They know what they're doing, right? Um, Another example of this, people love to do philanthropic programs. I love philanthropic programs. I think charities are fantastic. Do not get me wrong. I'm putting it out there right now. I am not dissing charities. However, charities know the work that they do. They don't necessarily know how to get people engaged to create something that's going to benefit the charity. What do I mean by that? I have had many clients who have worked directly with charities for a quote unquote team building experience where say, I'm throwing it out there as an example, it's gonna be homeless kits, you know, kits of of, of a variety of materials to give to homeless, uh, homeless shelters. So they work with a specific charity And then then at the end of it, or a year later, I say, oh, how was it? Not good. Oh, why? Because it ended up being a basic assembly line. It was over in 10 minutes. There was no teamwork at all. There was no camaraderie. There was no need for communication or collaboration. And it it was not fun. Ah, because the charity, what they know is, getting those bags stuffed with toothpaste and toothbrushes and socks and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they know. So again, if you hire a company that does this on a daily basis, they're going to know how to incorporate all of the other elements that make it a full experience, not just the stuffing of bags. So that's, that's one of the, um, another component. Well, I already talked about that. Uh, Make it safe do it first. One of the arguments, not arguments, discussions I have with clients often is we want to wrap up our three-day conference with a team building idea. Okay. Why do you want to do it at the end? Well, we want it to be fun we want it to be a fun activity at the end. Okay. There's nothing wrong with this. Great. However, earlier in our conversation, you told me that this is an annual sales meeting where you have 500 people and I'm making these up just for the sake of my story from around the country coming together, right? Yes. And you said that three quarters of these people have never met in person. Right. Right. And they're salespeople and they work on their own most of the time, other than when they have to interact via systems or emails or whatever. Right. Right. Okay. Well, why don't we do this at the very beginning? Why would we do that? Because if you have say teams of 10, which is the norm for me, you immediately have everybody interacting, engaging, communicating, and collaborating with nine other people that they don't know. That is going to permeate through the entire three days. Competition is fun. People like to win stuff. The winning team is going to have gold medals. We're going to encourage them to wear them the rest of the day. We're going to encourage them to wear them at the cocktail party that night just that silly, fun gold medal, because it was a fun, uh, it's a fun reminder of what happened that morning or after lunch or whatever, is going to allow people a commonality. Now, people may be like, yeah, the 10 people who are on the team, we won. woohoo! Yes, we're awesome. Other people talking smack. We were robbed. You guys cheated, right? <laughs> so it's all in fun, but it it's, it's a catalyst for further communication. So if you do this at the beginning, you're automatically setting the tone that the three days ahead are going to be communicative, collaborative, fun, it's worthwhile, we're all gonna um, interact with each other. You're setting a positive tone for the entire thing rather than, and, and if that tone continues throughout, they're gonna leave with the positive feeling you want them to leave with, but they're gonna leave with it from the three days, not just the last three hours. Okay, that was a long, very short question. See, I told you, I get going on this stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That can facilitate communication and people getting to know each other. So you do that set, let's say it's a, let's say I'm going to say it's a two-day thing. So the morning of, or whatever, the first day, you do one of these fun exercises and you get people having the positive fun competition. You get them doing fun things together where they get to chat with each other and get to know each other and how they uh, respond as people and things like that. Then when you get to breaks and lunch and things like that, they have more fun topics of conversation, more ways to get to know each other better by asking more interesting questions. And it does become a matter of Oh, so Matt, uh, what exactly does your department do? Like, really? Do I have to explain this again?
2: It's also organic, Adam. And that is the thing. It's not forced, right? It's just an organic. It it carries over because, (laughs) you know, it's not like it's not a forced thing. What does your department do? Uh, Nobody wants to answer that, right? Whereas, my gosh. So when we were doing the building, the bike, so-and-so, totally wiped out, whatever, I am right? So, ha, 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 it was so funny. Well, I, is he okay? Oh yeah, yeah, but you should see the look on his face when he got up, right? That is far more exciting than, okay, so what does your department do? And when, when people ask me, what do I do? And I'm using air quotes for that. I tell them, I take people who may or may not work together on a daily basis, put them in the same room or the same lo- location, Give them challenges, opportunities, tasks at hand with a, a, a chance for reward, to organically collaborate and communicate, and that's the big key: having fun and letting it just happen rather than beating a dead horse.
1: Yeah, here's here's something here's something else too, and this is one of my own experiences. If we want to talk about the networking side of this. A few years ago, when I first joined my local Rotary chapter, I had to order my name badge because we were, we're name badges of the meeting. They'll have your name, and then they'll have some sort of descriptor underneath about the type of industry you're in. Uh, well, at the time, I picked consulting. So that led to the repeated conversation of people walking up to me without any preamble, staring down at my name tag and saying, uh, so, uh, Alan, Alex, I, I mean, Adam, uh, what kind of consulting do you do now? My answer to that is, Oh, sometimes I gave the spiel, but it was really physically tiring. And sometimes I said, what does it really fricking matter? Here's my (laughs) point. Here's my point. Here's my point. What does it matter? What type of consulting I do? until I know more about you and can articulate if, and if so, how that could benefit your business, your organization, you personally, what you do. So I, not too long after I joined the chapter, I published my book, Groundhog Days: an event, not a business strategy, which I may reference 10 more times in this interview. I'm going to try and keep, keep up with your number of book references. We'll see how we <laughs> do. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, And, uh, what I, and so what I did is I had my, I paid the $17 to have a new badge created that says author slash speaker. So now I still have the people coming up to me. They still think my name is Alex, but they ask, what's your book about? Okay. Now we're talking about my baby. I'll tell you about my book all day long. Uh And if you want to go off on your own. buy a physical copy bring it to the next meeting and i'll autograph it for you i'll even take a photo with you if you're holding up the book and use it in my marketing if you so choose Mm -hmm. so the point i'm making with this is instead of those stilted conversations like well what are some of the things that your department does to increase the roi of your (sighs) now we can ask people about themselves and what motivates them from their intersection of their brilliance and passion which makes the conversation much more fun and gets people chatting with each other more. That's my thought. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, when
2: you, you know you started to talk about virtual, when the pandemic hit, my initial thought was, oh bloody, you know what? Uh-huh. I don't, what am I gonna? How am I gonna reinvent myself now? Because team building's done, right? Well, that lasted all of about three days because I started getting requ- maybe a week. I started getting requests very early on for virtual experiences. And at the time,
1: we
2: didn't have any in our repertoire. I'll be totally candid with you. I have some competitors who did. They did it. It wasn't something I ever really wanted to do. I still, I do it. There is absolutely value in it. I don't love it. I'm much more passionate about doing the face-to-face stuff. However, I 100% recognize that there is value in it and probably even More so now for the the companies that are hybrid or staying virtual for the next who knows how long, they got to do something. They've got to do something for their people because uh, we're so, we're even more unconnected now than we were uh, 18 months ago. So, at least physically. So, I am the type of person that if you give, I can do book work, I can do paperwork, I can do computer work, anything business, left brain, yeah, give me a deadline, it'll be done, no problem. I cannot, and I like to think that I'm relatively equal left and right side of my brain. Some people argue more one than the other, and I usually am surprised with their reasoning, but I've gotten both sides. But um, one thing that I do is that if, if you have something that needs creating, I can certainly do it, or I can create something for myself, but don't huh? give me a line. I have to, it, it just, I can't just do it. I know people who can, and I'm very envious of them. For me, one of the first thing, the first, I believe the first virtual or at a distance experience we created was our Paint for a Purpose program. Now, we had just put the, the face-to-face one on the books about three months earlier, and what that two months earlier, and what that is, and many team building companies have one, a team paints a two foot by four foot canvas based upon an image, and it's probably drawn out, and everybody gets the paint they're supposed to get, and when you hang the three, four, five, six, whatever canvases together on a wall, they create a full mural. Okay, and we have that, and then I said, well, how can we do something like that Virtually, well, we can't. And then I don't—I couldn't tell you the date. I couldn't tell you what it was, if I saw something or heard something or read something or what. But all of a sudden, Andy Warhol was in my head, and for some reason, the synapses started firing, and A went to Z, via uh, what, cha- whatever channels it took. And by the end, I said, "Oh my gosh, that's it!" Instead of a full two-foot by four-foot canvas, what we're going to do is ship a paint kit to every participant it's going to be an eight inch by 10 inch canvas and tracing paper and the image and everyone's going to get the same image and they're all going to trace it onto the canvas and then we're going to send them the paint and everything acrylic paint and they're going to get it all but one person or or depending upon the size of the group is going to get all the red hues one person's going to get the blues one's going to get the greens one's going to get the yellows, We don't tell them how they have to use them, but they get their set mark uh, paints and that's it. Then when you hang all of these eight by, you know, paper size, essentially canvases on a wall and it's all the same image, but the hues are all uh, grouped together. You get an Andy Warhol pop art type mural. So it was wow. a way, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the program. I wish I could take credit for the brilliance of it i just kind of put the pieces together i, I so, so i'm not giving my credit myself credit um, but it is a really cool experience and it was one of these things all because i read or saw or heard something about andy warhol by the same token rosie o'Donnell did her one night only uh, return of her talk show very early on in the pandemic and i was watching it and had it on in the background the next day while i was doing work and all of a sudden i said huh how can I do a virtual talk show? So literally, and and this goes back to something you brought up earlier about everybody coming on and having to introduce themselves and do the whole spiel, as well as talking to people and learning about them as people rather than what job function or what department they're in. It's, It's basically a talk show where people are the guests, but also the audience members. And the host asks questions to these people Everything as, as mundane as what is your favorite season and why to uh, if you could go back and tell your high school self one thing, what would it be? So they're mundane and thought provoking all at the same time. And it's more or less rapid fire, but it gives a whole new meaning to water cooler chat. Right. So it, it also we also have people write in questions and they don't know who it's going to just general questions what's a question you'd like to ask your colleagues? And we throw them in there too. So again, something that Rosie O'Donnell talk show, oh, could could we incorporate something like this into our new virtual repertoire? Sure, how do we do it? We make it work. And then it fulfills all these other checkpoints that are checklist items that you've talked about as far as people learning about people rather than fellow workers, if that makes sense.
1: You know, one of the discoveries, that, that, that does make dollars and cents, I think literally, one of the discoveries I made years ago, and I found this to be extremely valuable once the pandemic hit. So let's create a frame here. When the pandemic started and uh, companies that had been resisting the idea of virtual work were now finding out they had a choice of doing virtual work or not being in business at all. Well, they dove into the idea of people working virtually and keeping people connected through meetings and technology and such without really, to me, in many cases, an available framework that could be easily followed on how to do that in such a way where it felt valuable and useful to the end user. Some of the horror stories we hear about uh, companies scheduling excessive, pointless, repetitive, redundant meetings... As a method of command and control, so they could force their people to be online more to somehow prove they're working eight hours a day. Like confining them in an office didn't uh, somehow got them to actually work eight hours a day when the statistics show that the average person in an office works actually works two hours and fifty four minutes. Come on, so uh, so they already have that and it's being weaponized rather than utilized, in my opinion. What I discovered when I got into this, and I'm thinking of one client in particular, and this is a client who is entrepreneurial and has a corporate background. So some of that corporate stuff was still on their mind. And they love to have meetings about meetings, about meetings, about meetings and everything else. So in their case, what we structured with them was the idea that they would have one meeting per week. And I had them do something to make that meeting more valuable to its end users, this is a tactic I've actually been using for 20 years. We don't go into the meetings and do narrative reports of everything that's going on, and, and blah blah blah, blah, blah to show yeah we contribute value. Within 24 hours before the meeting begins, certain people in the meeting and I'll get to that in a second certain people in the meeting uh, need to email to the group or put in a, uh, put in the uh, project management system, as the case may be, there reports on three things. What we're working on now, areas where we have questions or need support, and what ideas and innovations we have. It doesn't have to be a book report assignment. It doesn't have to be a term paper. It can be short bullet points. Just answer those questions. What are you working on now? What questions do you have? What support do you need? And what ideas and innovations do you have? Everybody is responsible for having read that stuff and formulate whatever questions and come up with ideas for support and innovation before the meeting starts. So that the whole listen to people talk for the sake of talking and demonstrating they're actually here just doesn't exist anymore. Furthermore, I have another thing about meetings. I'm just going to throw this in. I'm going to turn it back to you, because I imagine you'll uh, quote your book 12 times. I'm just kidding. Um, I've also identified, depending on the size of the meeting, that uh, sometimes, and I mentioned this earlier, we practice diversity and inclusion for the sake of using buzzwords, and the way we do it can actually make people feel put out or left out. So when I look at meetings, unless it's a very small group and it's pretty clear that everybody has a major contribution, I break the attendees into four sections. You have your facilitator. That's the person or people who run it. Then you have your, I call them the presenters or the contributors. These are the people who have reports, who have topics of discussion, who bring stuff to the meeting, who insert stuff into the agenda. Then along with your presenter or contributor, they may have what I call a second. That's your third group. The second is that other person for your department, that other person from your team who comes with you. They normally do not say much, except if you turn to your second and ask them for information to contribute or want to verify something with them their real value is to be your eyes and ears while you're participating and contributing they're observing what's going on they can be your debriefing partner afterward they can be your preparation partner beforehand and if you have to miss the meeting they're identified as the person who can take your place so there'll be no questions about that then there's the fourth group they're the observers They're the people who need to or want to be in the meeting for various reasons, such as they want to be there to be in the loop straight from the horse's mouth, or for some reason, they feel that they need to be seen as having been there. Now, this fourth group, if you want to go around and ask for everybody to put in their two cents, these are the ones that are going to ask questions that we already know the answers to just so they can get their participation points because they were messed up on that in school. And, or they, and I saw this happen once, I actually timed it, somebody once spent 13 minutes explaining why they had nothing to add. Stop it. Yeah. And, and this, and I think a lot of this goes back, as I mentioned a moment ago, to when we were in school and participation points were counted as part of our grade. Fortunately, the greater understanding of introversion, extroversion, and ambiversion has helped to mitigate the extent to which in some circumstances that even counts because some people just shouldn't be raising their hand because it's not part of them. But you organize what the meeting is about. You identify who has what roles and you get more clear on using the meeting as a space for team building and a space for communication rather than regurgitating and listening. You know, listening to people ask questions we already know the answer to and drone on and on and on about what they did this week. And it becomes more of an experience. So what we were able to do with that organization is reduce their need for meetings dramatically. And at the same time, foster team building and cooperation because the space for the meeting actually became about human interaction, getting to know each other and our styles better. So when one of the people on that team asked, why are we doing this meeting? It seems like all we do is sit around and talk. And I say, yes. And for this reading, and for this reason, notice you're getting about one third as many emails as you used to. You're getting very few people asking if you have a few minutes to talk on the phone. And if you haven't looked at your calendar lately, you've noticed there probably aren't many more meetings for this clients are there. Because what we did with that one meeting. Right. I I would, well. first of all, I will
2: not quote 12 times from my book. Uh, (laughs) I was teasing you. (laughs) I I know you were. Um, I I will challenge you about the whole participation points coming, also having an education background. And I taught, this is a whole other conversation we can have. I do want to touch on it really quickly though, and say, yes, there are some people who shouldn't raise their hands, and there are people who are going to raise their hands and participate by regurgitating something we've just said. However, to get out of what is so prevalent in our education system today at many, many, many levels, whether it be elementary school, high school, college, whatever, is the whole uh, presentation of information and then regurgitation. There is a way to have Part- be graded on or be, be given awards, if you will, for your participation when it is useful and when it is not. Just don't just regurgitate who knows the answer to this. But let's have a conversation. Some people, as you identified, are introverts and need to be pulled out of it and and need to be brought into a conversation. So, anyway, that that that's the teacher in me saying, eh, hold on, I'm not sure about that, but. Yes. I totally get what you're saying. Um, and one thing I, and it's funny that you brought up the whole, do, do you have five minutes to chat and I get what you're saying about wasted time. Yeah. Totally. And how many emails, one thing I tell clients all the time is, and I pick up the phone and call people and they say, Oh, and they're, they they sound shocked because I didn't just reply to an email. Uh, I'm old fashioned like that. I'm, I'm much yeah. older than most people think. Um, You know, I, it's a connection. And nowadays we, we, it's another way of a human connection to get out from being hidden behind a a screen and a a keyboard. So I always tell people, look, if you have a question, pick up the phone and call me. If I don't answer, leave a voicemail. Don't assume that I've seen a missed call and I'm going to call you back. Pet peeve of mine drives me nuts. Well, you saw that I called, No, I didn't. I was traveling. My phone was on airplane mode. Oh, if it's that important, leave a voicemail and I will call you back. I mean, that's to me, basic business sense. Right. Tell people I don't require 48 emails and an act of Congress to have a telephone conversation. Just call me. Right. And, And unfortunately, for whatever reason, so many people feel like we have to, I, and I get yeah, people are busy, and this probably circles back. I'm probably proving your point. To people who have so much crap on their calendars that they actually have to plan the call. So, we, I think we've gotten so boxed into the calendar, and I can only do this during a certain time. Dude, can't can't you multitask a little bit? I mean, stop what you're unless it's due in a half hour stop what you're doing, put it to the side, work on something else for 15 minutes, pick up the phone and call me if that's what it is, or take my call and then go back to what you're doing. You might find that if you do that, you're gonna be refreshed and your brain is actually not droning on and on and on with one project nonstop, I, whatever. I, you get me on my mm-hmm. see, Adam. You got me all riled up, man.
1: Well, that, that, that's what we're looking for. We want people to get excited. And yeah, you and I uh, aren't exactly aligned 100% with this. I'm a, I'm a big uh, opponent of multitasking. I believe it's just a matter of using the same amount of energy and dispersing it so that it reduces overall effectiveness, but that's just me. And uh, I have, uh, and see, the way I deal with this is... I do not want my phone ringing and my alerts going off all the time. And I do need time to not be disturbed by anything. So the way I manage that is while there are certain times, actually certain days where I don't schedule anything, where I don't take anything, I don't do anything other than internal focus or project work or whatever I need to do to get into trance to push something forward. I also have uh, dedicated days and times within my week plan, month plan, year plan, whatever you want to call it, where, hey, if I have 19 things uh, stacked up this day, then uh, I'll just sit here all day and bang through them. Today is actually kind of one of those days. Uh, we have, uh, I have uh, three different interviews to do. I have three coaching calls with clients. And uh, I think I've had a couple cases where uh, one of my clients uh, showed up in my Messenger or my Skype and uh did the old got a sec thing and in which case yeah i I did get back to them as soon as i had a sec
2: yeah i mean look everybody needs to work his or her own yeah right and i'm certainly yeah and and i'm not poo-pooing anyone who look we have work methodologies that's fine now for me my point was or is i don't want a client to think that i'm not available because if i'm at my working on bookkeeping or just uh, not that I do mundane things. I mean, I do mundane things, but even if I'm working on a proposal that's, yeah, it's due tomorrow, fine. But if I have a client who has a gig coming up or is trying to solidify a deal and they have a question that they literally need 90 seconds to answer a question, I would much rather that person call me and, and maybe, and, and this is not a dig to people who are mm-hmm. more focused like you, maybe I'm just good at multitasking and that's one of yeah. my strengths and it's not for, for some people. You know, you find it a hindrance to me, it breaks up my day. So um, I would much rather a client call me and ask me the question rather than write me an email, which I may not see until five hours later and lose a sale. Because the client couldn't get uh, a, an answer that he or she needed right away to sign
1: the seal the deal. Okay. So actually, this leads to something that I find very important when it comes to team building. I mentioned that people work from different styles and different lenses, and they work asynchronously. Yep. That's where this kicks in. So the more we have the opportunity to discover who we are as people and what our unique styles are, And what serves us best? Let's say that uh, me, you, and somebody who we're going to call Juliana uh, were three members of a team. Now, I know you're the guy that, uh, you know, if I need uh, a quick answer or I need two minutes, I can call you up and you'll give me two minutes. So cool. Uh, Juliana might want it spelled out in a text. So that's how I'll deal with her. It's just a matter of understanding the different modes and finding your own best way to plug into them.
2: Yes, correct. And, and going back to what, what I, the way I initially <laughs> got this whole thing going was what, what, what drives me nuts is going back and forth on email. Oh, yeah. Time and times when picking up the phone and spending 90 seconds having a quick conversation would have solidified this or answered the question because I've wasted more time and energy going back and forth on email then I would have to, even for, you can argue with me on this, but even for the person who wants to stay totally focused on the task at hand, you know, are you getting, you're wasting more time by going back and forth with 20 emails over the course of a day when a 90 second phone call would have just nipped it in the bud right away.
1: Oh, 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 this is actually one of my, favorites. And we had this, okay. come up with, we had this come up with another client, Go ahead, argue with me. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing at all. Actually, you had a nail on the head right here, my friend. I had another client where it's, I noticed that uh, getting into the experience with them and I timed this, I was finding myself spending upwards of an hour per day sorting through the sometimes 200 or more emails that exchanged, <laughs> between, that exchanged between four people. And uh, it was everybody copying everybody on everything. And then everybody replying to all to acknowledge that they got it. And then everybody replying to acknowledge they got the acknowledgement. And I had to go to my client and say, uh, you understand that uh, you have me on retainer here for my consulting services and you're actually draining the can on the amount of time I need to go through all these emails just to find out if anything pertains to me.
2: Yeah, just that we're going to have a call on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> oh, I've, 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 I've seen those. I mean, I've, to, I've told the story about, the, uh, about the, uh, the meeting that goes out that uh, everybody is, is visibly copied on in the CC line and everybody replies to all to indicate they got uh-huh. it. And then there's the, and then, and then two people will start a sidebar conversation, but then copy the entire group on it. And then, about 20, and then about 74 emails into it, somebody will say, hey, I have a great idea. Let's make a distribution list so we all know how to get a hold of each other. And then everybody will reply to say that's a great idea. And then everybody will then separately reply to all with their contact information. And then half the people that already replied their contact information will say, oh, by the way, you can text me too. Here's my cell phone number. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, and, and I think this is where you and I really align is do we really want to go through 120 emails when um, there are many ways of cutting it? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I have noticed that when I'm at my most productive and generating the most value for my business and my clients' businesses, that my email outgoing volume drops to a trickle in fact, I kid you not, there was a period, uh, this happened maybe about two months ago, where I went three days without sending a single email. And yet, at the same time, I interacted multiple times with every single one of my clients. Yep. Yep. I get it. I agree with you on that,
2: 100%. And that's one of the things that, that let, let's simplify things. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, and the, and the more you take out these processes and these rituals and everything, the, you know, in right. my view, the more you actually get to know people as people because we're not conforming to a uh, – I, I remember my corporate time once. I, um, I, I, uh, I had uh, replied to an email from somebody, and then my supervisor saw the email, and he critiqued that I hadn't put in enough pleasantries and formalities. After all, this person's a regional director. Okay, well, below it, there had been seven exchanges between me and this regional director person, none of which was more than a sentence and did not even include our first name. So why all of a sudden do I have to write, hello, Beth, thank you so much for your great question. The answer is blah, 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 blah. Please let me know if you have any further questions or I can be of additional assistance. Really? I learned I had a client very early on who... Her emails were actually so short, I sometimes had to ask for clarification. And I, when I look at the total of my experiences, I preferred to deal with her and have to ask for clarification so she could just type another sentence versus having to read novels and try and figure out what the hell they mean and if they're even relevant. Uh, If I find that sometimes I have to write something long, I will typically add one sentence at the very top that summarizes what the entire thing means, because a lot of people will just get it in one sentence. And the rest of it is just me providing background and supporting information for those who may develop questions in a way of answering their questions in advance.
2: Yeah, yes, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is going back to the whole human connection is I have many clients who, with whom I've developed relationships that I've never met in person. But oh, yeah. I can't wait until we have a, uh, an event together in, in your home city so we can actually go out and have a nice meal together. And, and hey, we actually do say, how was your weekend? Oh, I went fishing with the grandkids or whatever. That, that uh, Now, again, you don't get that through the email. Let's keep it short and sweet, the information that needs right. to to happen but again i'm a people person and i'd much rather pick up the phone and exchange the pleasantries and sh- excuse me i don't know if i can say this on your podcast or not shoot the shit yeah you can to- go ahead
1: you, you, uh, you, you can fucking say whatever the hell you want <laughs>
2: awesome to <laughs> shoot the shit about you know for five not even five minutes two minutes and and at the beginning is it is it mundane pleasantry yeah but after a month or two I find that you genuinely care about the person as a person and you're genuinely interested. And isn't that ultimately
1: what better for business is direct human connection? I think so. And bang, bang. That is what, That remember I described earlier how we optimized that weekly team meeting to take Wrote oral reporting out of it and allow more space for human interaction. And then even led to that question I got from one of the team members asking why do we have to all the, have all these meetings? It feels like 40 to 60 minutes all we do is sit around and chat. Yep. That's actually the reason why. It's that 40 yep. out of the 60 minutes is just people talking about their, their lives and their stories that facilitates all of that. Well, and,
2: and that way you're seen as people, your ultimate- yes just a cog in the wheel you're yes. a with a heartbeat and it makes it makes people feel better it's i you i've used this line so many times lately and i really need to go back to the movie and see if it's in the movie uh legally blonde i don't know if it's in the movie i know it's in the musical i'm a theater guy Elle woods she's defending brooke Wyndham, the exercise queen she yep. says exercise makes people happy ha- or, excuse me Exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make people happy. Happy people just don't kill. By the same token, (laughs) are more pleasant to be around. Their energy is higher. They're more productive, which ultimately positively affects the bottom line. So, hello, (laughs) why didn't you want that? Getting to know people and letting people be themselves and be... Authentic human beings, and I know some people don't like the word authentic, but uh, I, you know, let people be happy, positive people. They're only going to affect the bottom line. And if talking for forty minutes out of the sixty about Fido and Sally, <laughs> Joe, and, and Aunt Mildred does it, great. It brings yeah. back a new connection, which is even more important in
1: this in this uh, cyber world we live in now. I agree wholeheartedly. So what I'm getting out of our conversation here, and I think this is one of the key takeaways for our listeners here today, is that at the root of team building, whether we're speaking about the in-person fun exercises you do and when you do them, um, how you create your balance between written and oral communication amongst teams, how you structure the meetings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The common thread I see going through everything, even the areas where you and I have different viewpoints, is that ultimately the root of it is providing an experience that facilitates people getting to know each other as people. Absolutely. And the, the
2: work conversation is going to be there too. That, you know, don't people shouldn't think, oh, well, then they're not talking about work. Well, hold on. One, one of the favorite stories that I have, and I share this often is Joe, uh, well, I'll have a client call me three, six, nine months after I do an experience. Hey, it's so-and-so. Oh, hey, how are you? Great. We had so much fun nine months ago, the bike build. Yeah, yeah, great. Your team was great. Yada, yada. Okay. So what's going on? Well, I had to share a story with you. Okay. Joe from our New York office was on a team with Sally from our LA office. Okay. And they, never, they didn't know each other other than names and email addresses in the company directory. Well, right. they were on the team and while they were competing in these, these challenges and ultimately building bikes for underprivileged kids, Sally told about a story she recently had with work because they were just talking about work and what happens and, oh, can you believe this, right? Well, Joe had a similar situation happen last week. He remembered Sally talking about it and how, how she dealt with it. During the team building experience, picked up the phone. Hey, Sally, this is Joe from New York. We were on the team. Oh, yeah, of course. Blah, blah. Remember you talking about a situation kind of like blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I, I got the same thing. Can you refresh my memory about what you did that worked so well? Oh, yeah, I did this and this and this. Great. Joe just did that, rectified the problem in five minutes, no longer an issue, all because they were on a team together building bikes for kids. Well, Hallelujah. Team building pays dividends over and over again that you just don't realize, but they are there all because they communicated about something that, yes, it was work, but they weren't thinking about work. They were thinking about the task at hand. Work was just the background conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they, and again, it does really come down to that same thing, just how we... Uh, how we all how we ultimately utilize our methodologies and even our technologies, and we focus on the human component of it and uh, to me, that makes everything just not only easier but a lot more fun. yep, absolutely
2: I'm a hundred percent that's 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 the backbone of what I do
1: absolutely. So we are actually uh, pretty much at the top of the hour here. So before we uh, before we end up here, what I want to do is just one moment, uh, you know, just have you to our listeners again. And if it's a little bit repetitive, remember, we do have people sometimes to turn in a little late. Uh, tell us a bit more about, for those who are ready to experience this paradigm on team building and are interested in interactive experience and more of what you do, uh, how they engage with you. I know the website is www.premierteambuilding.com and what they have looked forward to, to when they reach out. That That is the
2: best way to get a hold of me. Yes. Uh, Facebook, Instagram is Premier Team Building. LinkedIn is Premier Team Building and Twitter is Premier Team BLD. I also have my personal LinkedIn profile. It's Matt I don't even know what it, what it is to tell you the truth, Adam. Uh, but the right. best way to get a hold of me is that website. There you will see accolades from clients. You'll see our blog, why we think it's important, uh, among other, um, other, some other, just some mundane fun things. Uh, and as well as primarily all of our experiences, which are divided into categories, fun and games, culinary, game shows, scavenger hunts, philanthropic interactive dining experiences and virtual, of course. And we're uh, going to, well, by the time this airs, we'll have professional development up too. So we've categorized it all. So if people know kind of, oh, I want something that has to do with this, they can easily go and see it. Otherwise the A to Z page, start skimming and see what fits your fancy and and reach out. Of course, uh, chances are pretty good if you fill out the form you're going to get a call from me shortly thereafter saying, hey, I just got your your online form and I'd love to get a little more information and then I'll send you a proposal. So I, I, you're going to get a phone call from me. I can pretty much guarantee it. I'm old fashioned like that. So if you don't want it immediately, put in the form, this is the best time to reach me. <laughs> so yeah. if you're like Adam and you're
1: focusing on something, I'll call you in three hours when you're ready for the phone call. <laughs> Yep. And again, we discover all this by remembering that fundamental underpinning of team building, which is helping us discover each other as individuals. So if I, for example, if I know that somebody in the organization, let's say, for example, they certainly fall into, for example, the, I mean, like I myself, I'm so far uh, on the introvert side of the scale, they had to make a new category for me. Really? So So the idea of... Having to deal with interruptions and all these little interactions and everything will drain me better than a battery in a car that's been sitting in a barn for 20 years before noon. However, there may be others who are more on the extrovert side who get charged by social interaction that will find their acuity, their focus, their productivity, and their energy actually enhanced by that same thing. And the more you get to know people, the more you find out which is which. Yeah, I'm very surprised that you say you're so far on the introvert side. I wouldn't have guessed that based upon our interaction today. But hey, there you go. You surprised well, that, me. that and and that right there is, and I think it's a great point to end up on. Is that even to this day, with everything that's been discovered over the past decade, in particular, there's still so much misunderstanding about. The terms introvert, extrovert, ambivert, and things along those lines. So we'll just use introversion for example. That does not mean being shy. It does not mean being reserved. It does not mean not being expressive or speaking very quietly in short sentences with lots of pauses. In fact, uh, the introvert individual can really come alive when they feel with with their own people. And the types that they vibe with, and maybe that is part of the reason why you and I have had such an expressive, fun conversation today. You, may, yeah, perhaps you brought up a very good point. You got yes. me there. Absolutely. Well, I, I look forward. I look forward to uh, what we can do together, and uh, what we can do in our own efforts to help increase understanding and facilitate the growth of teams and uh, people's ability to work together. So Matt May, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you, Adam.
0: We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time.